0: Okay, so the Lord just gave me scripture after scripture confirming this is where we start. I've got sort of a new series going. I want to talk about some of the fundamentals, some of the just basic tenets of our uh, faith. And so we're going to do a Bible study over Romans chapter 3. And then we'll, uh, we'll get done and try to beat the Pentecostal church to shooters. How about that? We're good? All right. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will bless this uh, time. God, I pray that you will speak to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will speak to us, that you will uh, move in us and just show us what you have for us. And uh, we're, just, we're just grateful to, to be with you and to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Uh, I'm in Romans chapter 3 with you, you who I love. I want you to understand that if you are in here this morning and you draw a breath, you are welcome in this place, and we are happy that you are here, yeah, um in fact, got a little testimony uh about that just later, Royce, I didn't forget about you um, but Romans chapter three is in the the New Testament. Remember that the Bible is in two sections there's an Old Testament, or we could also call that the Old law or the Old Covenant. And there's the New Testament or the new law, the new covenant. And so we live in the New Testament era, in the, the age of the church, in the, the, the new law, the law of grace that Jesus brought, right? So when Jesus comes, he was the promised Messiah and the fulfillment of the old law, and he began uh, the new law. And that's where we live. So um, as, as the church began, <coughs> the disciples of Christ would uh, would write letters to the church and tell them, no, this is how we act, behave. This is what you need to understand, and so Romans is one of those letters. The apostle Paul was writing to Rome, and he was explaining um, some some things to them, and and so this is sort of a core tenet uh... that uh, honestly is is a core tenet like if you don't understand this you probably don't get what christianity is in general but it is very possible that many of us have never heard this so as we as we go uh... Romans chapter three verse nine all the scripture will be on the screen uh... nobody expected you to walk in here as a bible scholar okay? uh... if you didn't know what we talk about today that's okay you're in the right place I, if you knew everything and if you were perfect if you were sinless we wouldn't need jesus okay Uh, So no one expects that. Here Here we go. Follow along with me. Romans 3, 9. What then? Are we better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. That was a weird place to start. I brought you in sort of the middle of a story, uh, but listen, we only have I only have like thirty minutes with you guys, so you you can go home and, and 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 catch up on on where we are in Romans. But I wanted you to see this that he says both Jews and Greeks. Now he's speaking to to Greek speaking people and uh, Hebrew speaking people. He's talking to Jews and he's talking to Gentiles. Uh, So it's weird because you've got Jewish people under Roman rule speaking Greek, (laughs) but you have all these contexts, okay? And he says everyone, everyone is under sin. Now, you may not know, uh, sin was largely an archery term. Okay, if I shoot an arrow at a bullseye and I do not hit bullseye, I don't hit perfection. That means I have sinned because I've missed the mark. And so, uh, in our lives, we have this standard of perfection, which is God. He has hit the symmetric bullseye. He was perfect. Is perfect, and there's us that falls short of that. So we are all under sin. We all fall short of the glory of God, right? We miss the mark of being God. Unless anybody's hit it. Anybody hit that yet? <laughs> okay, so good. We're all here. So that's what sin is. So there's, there's just this kind of, I, I've said this probably the last three weeks in a row, but I think it's really important. Uh, murdering someone and loitering are not the same thing. Okay? They both fall short of perfection. So we all need a Savior, but we all haven't done the same thing. So just as in our system, sins aren't punished the same, they're all still a sin, right? So they can separate us from God. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, let's keep going. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one, okay? And so that's why we all walked in here on the same boat, and that's why you're welcome in this place today, because not one person walked in here righteous today not one all right so we're all in the same train wreck there is no one who understands there is no one who seeks god now this is starting to say okay like i get that we're not perfect but i'm trying what do you mean no one understands well if no one understands why are we listening to this dude in a plaid shirt talk about jesus like, if, if no one understands, and if no one's seeking him, then what have I been doing? Hang on. Hang on. Don't get fired up yet. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There, was, there, there is no one who does what is good, not even one. Now, this is just getting accusational, turning very personal. I thought that God loves us. Man, that was a beautiful song about God speaking peace over us and now he's like accusing me that I don't even try. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers, venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God Before their eyes, it's kind of a bleak view of humanity, isn't it? And do you understand that when when Paul wrote that in his letter, do you do you know that he was actually quoting (laughs) the Old Testament? This isn't something that Paul was coming up with. This was this was part of prophecy uh, from the Old Testament, and this is the human condition before Jesus came. After Jesus came, this is the human condition. You're like, well, listen, I'm not that bad. But understand, the standard is perfection. Like when Jesus hit the bullseye, you can get your ruler out and go go seven inches from this side, seven inches from this side, now vertical. Like he hit the symmetric, perfect bullseye. So all of us fall short of that. But what happens is, well, I don't sin as much as Tim. So, I'm not that bad. It's an archery term, not a horseshoes term, okay? It's not who's closest. It's not a cornhole tournament. We're not canceling sins out. There's perfection, and there's short of perfection. And so we measure ourselves to one another, and we begin to get a little bit of an optimistic view about the condition of our own heart But God set out a standard that understandably no one can achieve, okay? Uh, So let's take, for example, the Ten Commandments. First of all, here's the first piece of conviction. Can anybody in here list all the Ten Commandments? (laughs) Oh man, I failed the first question in in church. You were afraid there was going to be a quiz, and there was, and everyone failed. Listen, so we start off with not making an idol uh, of, of God or not putting any idol before God or any image before God. All right? Let's see if anybody gets past number one. You got anything that you're putting above God? <laughs> any, anybody putting anything ahead of their time spent with the Lord? <laughs> anybody want to want to come up here and show me your your Facebook versus Bible app time spent on your phone? Is anyone making an image or an idol in here? Is anyone putting anything before God? Dang. (laughs) Right? How about, how about any of the other ones? Do not steal. Have you ever stolen? Do not, did not kill, And Jesus upped the stakes on this because he was like, you've heard that it was an eye for an eye. But I say, right, and, and he told us not only to not kill, but when someone asked for my cloak to give him my tunic too. And you're like, well, that's just Old Testament because I don't have a cloak or a tunic. Get the point. And Jesus said when somebody slaps... Uh, one cheek, you turn the other to them as well. And so he says not to even think about these things. How about adultery? It's not just committing adultery. He said not to even lust after a woman in your own heart. How are we doing out there? Anybody fall short? <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, Jerry hung his hat. Give me another ten commandment. anybody know one that I haven't I haven't listed yet? Yep. Honor your fa- honor your father and your mother. How many of y'all think that your mother is crazy? <laughs> Some of y'all, man, you have not lived long enough. Okay. Now I heard another one. What was it? Oh, oh. Yep. In the Lord. Okay, in the Lord. Yeah, she was finishing it. Amen. I got it. Uh, Bearing false witness. Coveting? What does that even mean? Don't be envious of anybody else. I think now we call that what? FOMO? (laughs) Fear of missing out? Oh my gosh, their kids are pro athletes, honey. Call the personal tutor. Get a coach in here now. Because we covet daily. We've got an app to covet. And so we are falling short. And this is not condemnation over anyone. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of making this light because otherwise we'll just all sit here and cry. Because it's us. It's me. And so we, we, we get to, to looking at, well, I'm not... What a, there's always somebody worse than me, and so I always compare myself to them and be like, well, I'm, I'm south of that line, so <laughs> I'm good, right? No, I'm not perfection, so I'm short. I'm short of perfection, short of the glory of God. And this is the this is standard that he has set. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden when they were sinless and sin separated them. And we're like, Eve, you blew it, right? Because she had a choice between, between the knowledge of good and evil or just choosing life, of just choosing what God has to offer her or being God herself, and she chose the wrong thing. And I can throw stones at her all day long, but what did Jesus say? You, without sin, throw the first stone. You better drop your rocks because there's not a person in here that has no sin. What about practical things? What if there was a, you know, you always hear, oh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. Aren't you glad that flies don't get to talk? Is how many of you, if flies could talk, like, let's face it, CPS would be at your door. <laughs> Y'all, I yell at my kids so much. So much. How many of you thrown hands? We got any women that can testify, I have straight punched my husband in the nose. Any of you brave enough? No, don't do that. I don't want anybody to call on you right now. Some of you are like, I don't care. (laughs) That was on the way to church. (laughs) It's a lipstick. I just got some of the blood off his nose. (laughs) Screaming at people, drugs, pornography. How about, how about evil thoughts? Now, how good are we? Do you, you, you see, God has a version of the story of humanity that we cannot stand up to. And we can plead our case before God all we want, but when we stand in his judgment, wait, wait I thought Christians weren't supposed to judge. God doesn't get his judgment wrong. He sees into the heart of every man. So when we stand before the judgment of God, we will do nothing but bow because we know that he's right. And so, until I understand my own depravity, my own need for a Savior, until, and this is why I tell you, hey, Really, it's going to be a rare exception that you bring me anyone under the age of 10 and we go through with a baptism. Because until I can understand my own depravity, I can't understand my need for a Savior. How many times have you tried to get out of your sin and you can't? That's what you've got to understand. But you can't let go of yourself (laughs) until you've tried. Now, some of us can get there a lot quicker than others. My wife is a lot less hard-headed than I am, and I get that, and and thank God for those of you who didn't have to go and live that story, but most everyone in here has, has seen enough that you understand your own depravity because I can't climb my way out of the hole that I dug for myself, and so I have to have a Savior, and it digs deep into my pride that I can't save myself, but I can't save myself. And God has a version of this story. But Satan wants to rewrite the story. Satan wants to tell his narrative. Satan wants to go, oh, look at what God is doing to them. You think he's a just God? You think he's a righteous God? Well, then how could this happen? Well, how could this happen? But one day, God will go, no, here's what happened and here's how it goes. And we will quake at his story. He's just telling the wrong narrative. He speaks in 20% truths. Sometimes 80% truths. Y'all know what that looks like? No? Okay, I'll give you an example. Hand me Lola, okay? Lola Lola used to be very important around our house. Um, this is a true story. Uh, when I was a child, I was growing up in Temple and we have something in Temple um, called fire ants. And I know there's fire ants here too but here there's fire ants and you have to go look for mounds in temple you can be sitting on the porch swing and then you look left you look right and when you look left again fire ants have built a duplex <laughs> like they are you, there's mounds that you can't jump over and so I was cruising around the yard uh, in my big wheel y'all know those the two wheels in the back and the thing in the front and dude I was doing my thing and I was I was I was doing something super cool. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I guarantee it was awesome. And I parked the front wheel of my big wheel in a dirt mound. And I'm not sure what was going on uh, in my head, but fire ants have this weird trick where they just, like, get all on you, and then one of them blows the whistle, and they all attack at once. So you all had this happen? Okay? And so I was very little, and I was in literally... A there were thousands and thousands of ants, and I, I got consumed, and they started to bite me, and I, I got very overwhelmed, and, uh, and so I began to scream out, well, my dad ran into the yard, okay? And so, Lola, I'm sorry that this has got to happen, baby, but it happened to me too, okay? Um, so my dad saw what was happening, and, and no, no kidding, I mean, this would have this killed me, and so he takes me, and he, he begins to do this, and it was not soft. And he's trying to rake ants off of me, but I'm so consumed that he goes to this number. Okay? And he begins to skid my body through the yard. I have, now he swears that it didn't happen this way. I remember him because there was like a chain link fence and I remember him throwing me over the fence. It's like a really early memory for me. And one day, I'm probably like 35, and I was like, Dad, do you remember when I was being eaten by fire ants? What, why did you throw me over the fence? What did that have to do with anything? And he's like, I didn't do that. So there's a discrepancy on what all happened. But can you imagine somebody driving by? <laughs> now, the story is he was saving my life. But you know there was a neighbor in their bathrobe outside going, Oh, that preacher's throwing his kids again. (laughs) Called CPS, baby. (laughs) Because that neighbor would have been working in 80% truth. He was chunking my butt around the yard. He was skidding me around like like, like it was a game. But the truth is it was out of love and he was saving my life. I know the truth and he knows the truth. But what does the neighbor say? So This is the narrative of our world where our good father, will do whatever it takes to bring his child home. He said that he, come, he, he came so that all may have life and have life abundantly. And abundant life doesn't mean Ferrari life. It's not lifestyles of the rich and famous, necessarily. It's not necessarily healthy, wealthy, and wise. It is a spirit that is connected to our Father God, who has an eternity with Him in heaven. That's what He cares about. That's what He's taking you toward. And Satan is going, "Just see Him throw you through the yard? He didn't have to do it that way. He could have gotten a water hose. So he's changing the narrative and we're buying it and you're not as bad as this person that's not God's story his story was I'm the standard anyone short of me needs saved needs reconciled and when he tells his story, we won't stand up under it. Now, I, I say all the scripture will be on the screen. Actually, I, I, I'm going to pull it audible. I want to read something to you, and I don't want a lot of distraction. Uh, I, I think you will find this story very interesting. And My guess is not many people in this place have, have read this story before. Uh, there was, in, in the Old Testament, there's a prophet. His name is Ezekiel. Ezekiel, God said, was a very, very stubborn man. And uh, so God gave him some things to do and he had to kind of come up against a whole nation himself and so there's a reason God made him stubborn so there's hope for your kid right Uh, but but this was Ezekiel and let me let me read to you the story of what happens to Ezekiel this is very interesting hang with me on this In the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was sitting in my house, and the elders of Judah were sitting in front of me. And there the hand of God came down on me. I looked, and there was someone who looked like a man from what seemed to be his waist down was fire, and from his waist up was something that looked bright like a a gleam of amber. He stretched out what appeared to be a hand, and he took me by the hair of the head. Then the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and carried... Me in visions of God to Jerusalem to the entrance of the inner gate that faces north, where the offensive statue that provokes jealousy was located. I saw the glory of the God of Israel there, like the vision I had seen in the plain. The Lord said to me, Son of man, look toward the north. I looked toward the north, and there was this offensive statue north of the altar gate at the entrance. He said to me, son of man, do you see what they're doing here? More detestable acts that the house of Israel is committing so that I must depart from my sanctuary you will see even more detestable acts. Now hold on, I'm not done. But Ezekiel is standing there, and the Spirit of the Lord came on him and took him and showed him what the men in front of him were doing. He was there in front of the elders, in front of the spiritual leaders, and God said, let me show you what you're up against. Because, I'm going to give you a little snippet here, the people were concerned because God wasn't speaking to the people. And so there's sort of this accusation against God. You're not with us anymore. You're not speaking to us anymore. And so God is going to show Ezekiel. You want to see why? And so he snatches him up by the hair of the head and he begins to show him spiritually. He takes him and shows him snippets. And he says, Look at the north gate. That's the first place we're going to start. Here's an altar that they have built for another God in my house, in my home. I'm not even staying there anymore because they built an altar there to another god. And He keeps going. Then he brought me to the entrance of the court and when I looked there was a hole in the wall. He said to me, son of man, dig through the wall. So I dug through the wall and discovered a doorway. He said to me, go in and see the detestable wicked acts they're committing there. I went in and looked and there engraved all around the wall was every kind of abhorrent thing. He just got the password to their phones. Crawling creatures and beasts, as well as the idols of the house of Israel. Seventy elders from the house of Israel were standing before them with Jezaniah, son of uh, Saphon, standing among them. This dude was supposed to be (laughs) doing better. Each had a fire pan in his hand and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising up. He said to me, Son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are doing? They're burning incense to other gods. They're worshiping detestable things and idols in the court, in a place that's supposed to be for God. These were the elders. Do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his idol? For they are saying, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has abandoned the land. Again, he said to me, You will see even more detestable acts uh, that they are committing. So these elders are accusing God of not answering them, and God shows Ezekiel, Look! Look why! They're in my house worshiping other gods, doing detestable things, and they think, I'm going to talk to that? God's not playing our games. God wouldn't play their games. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the Lord's house, and I saw women sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Now this is such an interesting thing because... um, as we dig up things in archaeology, we understand that surrounding people were worshiping Tammuz. And we had it all along right here in the scripture. And he said to me, do you see this son of man? You will see even more detestable acts than these. I, if I'm not mistaken, Tammuz was supposed to be uh, bringing up the sun for one of the, um, the local people. Some Akkadian people. So he brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house. And there were about 25 men at the entrance of the Lord's temple. Now we're at the temple. Okay. Between the portico and the altar, with their backs to the Lord's temple and their faces turned to the east, they were bowing to the east in worship of the sun. They were literally in the temple with their back to God, bowing to the sun. And he said to me, do you see this, son of man? Is it not enough for the house of Judah to commit these detestable acts they are doing here? That they must also fill the land with violence and repeatedly anger me, even putting the branch to their nose. Therefore, I will respond with wrath. I will not show pity or spare them. Though they call loudly in my hearing, I will not listen to them. God is not listening. And Satan is saying, you are serving a God that's not listening. And Satan is speaking some of the truth because, yes, God is not hearing their prayers. He is." not answering their prayers but then when he cast his judgment and shows why what are the 70 elders going to do look i have the emails i have the documents i caught you red-handed elders of israel this is what you're doing i have a picture of you with your back to me worshiping the sun, wanting me to bless you you're going to worship other gods and want me to bless you? And so he's showing them their own depravity, their own sinfulness. And when they get caught, what are they going to say? And we live in a place where we're teaching our kids that as long as you have an excuse, that as long as you can bring up some junk, that as long as you can you know say say anything, we're not going to we're not we're not going to come down on this, but but God doesn't play that. He was like, listen, you're not going to convince me because I know he is omnipotent. We serve a God who knows. There is no missing the judgment call for him. And so when he cracks down and says, listen, this is what you've done. That's it. And so why am I saying this? Because I want to, I want to go over some of the tenets of our, our faith, but I think one of the things that we miss, really, in cultural Christianity is if we don't understand our own depravity and our own need for a Savior, then there's no need for a Savior. We've got to get saved. Saved from what? I'm not that bad. I'm doing well. <laughs> awesome. Okay, how how would you feel right now? And I'm not listen. I'm not picking anybody, and I, I don't. This this is my this is my sword to defend you with, not to hit you with. So so like, don't take this the the wrong way. But just in self reflection, if I were be if, if I could hack your phone right now, and, and just put it up on the screen and scroll through for a minute. Woo! <laughs> <sighs> That'd be terrible. Of course, I would, never, I, would, I would never do that. But my point is, God says you've missed the standard of what I've called you uh, to live to. And, and he accused these elders. And he was like, these elders are accusing me. But look, here's the real judgment, here's what's going on. And Satan was going, he's throwing babies through the yard. And God said, I saved your life. Don't listen to the wrong narrative. Don't listen to the wrong uh, version of this story. Satan is a deceiver. Do you understand that's what his name means, is, is actually accuser. So he's accusing God you. So who was right? God or the elders? Well, they got caught red-handed. Of course God was right. And they're wanting God to bless their sinfulness. Now, to put this on a practical level for us, I don't think anyone here came here from worshiping the sun this morning. I really don't. I, I just don't see that that happened. I could be naive. I don't think anyone was doing that. But are you asking God to bless your time, to give you blessing, and giving him scraps at best? Because he doesn't play that game with us. And so I say this again, not at all condemnationally. I want to encourage you because I want to see you live under blessing. And so what I would say, church, is begin to give God your first fruits. Begin to give him the things that are in secret. And you may say, listen, at this point, I don't even know how to get rid of these things. Now you're on the right path because you understand your own depravity and your own need for a savior if you have to say i've got some stuff that i've got to get rid of i've got to be able to spend time with god and i literally don't even understand how to start the beginning of wisdom has hit your life okay that is the beginning of wisdom to understand i can't do it alone and the reason we don't know where to start is because we can't do it there's a reason you don't know where to start. is because you can't start. You literally have to hand it to him. Now, this is a good news story because we all have it. This is no surprise. There's no surprise that we have depravity, that we're sinful, and that we need a Savior. The good news is there's a solution for all of us, and, and, and that solution is not just Available for all of us is needed by all of us, starting with me. You understand? I study the Bible a lot. Therefore, I like way no better than to do <laughs> what maybe I do. You understand? So I'm in this boat with you. But here's if you keep reading in, in Romans, let's go to um, verse 22. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. Hey, God has passed over your sins previously committed. Why? Because he is mercy. And without mercy, I stand condemned. All of us, we need saved. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus God came to show his righteousness through us and so I have sin so and, and I, I keep saying that because I, I want you to understand I'm not perfect. I don't have anything that I'm living in that I'm not telling you about, okay? This is not a, a confession from me. I'm just telling you I'm human like anyone else. And so you say, well, if you're just human, then how could we listen to you? How do you expect me to go out and tell anybody? Because we're all just sinful people. N- That's not it. That's not it. You're putting you in the equation. This isn't about me. I'm giving you this, so it's not about me. It doesn't matter. I told the story about being thrown through a yard. Yeah, that that part's about me. That's us, because it's funny, because that's us. We're human. This is about Jesus. My righteousness is not from me because I cannot be righteous. It's him. So what you're doing is going and introducing people to Jesus. Take you out of the equation. It's not about you. It's about him. Look, I couldn't do it. He did it. I want him to do it in your life. That's what it's about. It has, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do. Man, if you're a Christian and you're arrogant, then you don't understand your own depravity. You don't understand that you were saved out of something and brought into something else by someone else. And you will fall back into it if you don't understand who got you out of it. If you think that you dug yourself out of the pit, if you got yourself out of the hole, if you became righteous on your own terms, you are in for a very rude awakening. How many of you have gotten out of something and you thought, man, you know what? I used to struggle with this, I used to struggle with this, and whew, I'm glad that's over. I will never go back. Now I have self-control. How long did that last? (laughs) Just long enough for you to feel stupid later, right? Got to have a Savior. Romans 5 8. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That means me. That means you. At some point, we've all played the role of Adam and Eve, and we have chosen the tree of the knowledge of good and evil over the tree of life. At some point, we've all done that. That was. That was bad. That was ungodly. And while, I love verse 6. I want to do it again. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. How cool is that? Not only did he die for the ungodly, but he died for the helpless ungodly. I couldn't get myself out of this. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a love that I can't even understand. Would you die for your kid? Man, I would die for my kids. I would die for you guys. I would die. But, but man, would you die for your enemy? Because you understand that the story of the Bible is the story of the hero dying for the villain. Right? And so, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received this reconciliation. This is what I want to leave you with. I keep talking about our own depravity and how we need Jesus to pull us out. Now, if I were in this place today and I were an atheist, this is what I would be thinking. Hey, I know a lot of people who don't believe in God who are a lot better than a lot of the Christians I know. That's what I would be thinking. In fact, I'm not an atheist, and I'm still thinking that. That was supposed to be kind of humorous. Y'all didn't laugh at all. It's not just about being what we call good. Dude, this, this is the U.S., and we know better than everyone else, and we've set this moral standard, and we hold God to it, and He doesn't, he doesn't hold up to our awesome morality. <laughs> but do you understand that God's not letting us write the script? And there's a word that was in verse 11. Is that still up there? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received this reconciliation. We serve a creator who created this world. He set the standard and we were separated from him because we chose not him, right? And so the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. We follow him or not. It's up to you and he beckons you. He calls you but we can choose him or not and what we have to overcome is our separation from God we have to be reconciled this this word for reconciliation worship team come up this word for reconciliation is the same uh is the same term that they would have used in this day for money transfer Okay. so if you go to if you go to Mexico or or uh, well, they'll probably take U.S. dollars. Let's go to Poland. Let's go to Poland. They don't use USD, U.S. dollars. They use złoty. Okay, and so uh, if I go to Poland and I try to pay with U.S. dollars, we don't accept that currency. I don't receive U.S. dollars. I want righteous money, acceptable money. You're going to have to go somewhere that will reconcile. This 10 U.S. dollars into 30 zloty. And now I can pay with the zloty because it is an acceptable currency. It has been reconciled. And so what I am being saved from is myself, is my depravity, and is from the wrath of God. What I'm being saved from ultimately is being separated from God. And so I am not saying that anyone who doesn't believe in God is a horrible, immoral character. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I need saved from being U.S. dollars. I need, being, I, I need to be saved from being an unacceptable currency to the kingdom of God. I've got to be reconciled into something different. And the only place that can do that is the bank of Jesus. I didn't even plan that that was good. Not one applause. Tough crowd. Thank you. Thank you. I've got to be reconciled and there's only one place that can do that. That is the throne. I've got to be an acceptable currency. And the reason I'm not acceptable is because I have Sinned. So if I don't understand my sin separates me from God, then how can I seek salvation when I don't know I need to be saved? So today, theology. This is step one. We've got to understand that we need a savior. You're not that bad. I agree. You are awesome, people. Man, I, I've I, not one person in here has flipped me off in traffic before. I'm scanning. Okay, I lied. One. No, I'm kidding. You're awesome people, but we've got to be made the right currency. Understand? So that is step one of our faith: is understanding our own depravity. Okay, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna pray for us. The worship team is already up here. Baskets are gonna come forward. Uh, really, really, really. If you want to do a life group. Hey, Write that on the connection card. We want to visit with you about that. We really recommend it's just a Bible study. It, there's not Bible scholars in there. This is not a seminary class. This is not you're not getting your master's here. We're studying the Word together, so it's it's really neat. I love going to life group. Hope that you'll join us. There's one tonight if you can do that. Um, but uh, put that in the uh, in the basket. Also, part of the way that we uh, worship around here is through our tithing offering. So so feel free to. Um, to drop that in as well but uh, th- they're gonna come forward and the uh, wor- worship team is gonna play and, and and then we'll we'll hit shooters hot and heavy okay um, let's pray Lord we thank you that you love us despite of our own depravity father that you are a good father who has forgiven us uh, through so many sins God, I pray that anyone who has not received that acceptance, who has not received that forgiveness, who has not taken that reconciliation by faith would do so. And we ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.